0: How's it going, everybody? Really excited to welcome back Kevin Connery to the Philacrossity podcast. Kevin's the head coach at the University of Michigan. Kevin, how you doing, man? Great to have you on the show.
1: No, I'm great. I'm great. Thanks again for having me on.
0: Yeah, man. How's life?
1: Life is awesome. We're, uh, my kids are back to school. I got my team back on campus. You know, we're, we're starting to return to some sense of normalcy and, and have an opportunity to coach our guys and do what we love again. So that's the, that's the beauty of college athletics.
0: It is. And like being on that academic year, you know, um, getting to start over with a new group and to get the kids. I mean, getting recruits on campus is kind of like Christmas morning when you get to see them play for the first time, as well as all the other guys that you've just been dying to get back.
1: Absolutely. You know, and I think you go at it, look at it two ways, right? You want to be able to have a fall experience because you want your guys to mesh and bond, not necessarily on the practice segment of things, but when, you know, last year, You know, we were able to come to practice and then, you know, we had to leave and really go into our pockets and be isolated from each other. Yeah. And we still ended up having a few shutdowns. You know, when you have an opportunity to build a team, it's all about time together. And and it's not practice time. It's not practice time. Practice time is great. Don't get me wrong, because that's when you obviously put your X's and O's in, you develop your skills, you compete, you struggle together. But really, it's about being in the weight room together. It's about being in the locker room together. It's about doing team building exercises, you know, with each other. And, and then going out back and in, in, into your dorms or your houses and spending time and flipping burgers and, and, and uh, you know, uh, playing Frisbee on, on the back lawn a little bit. So that's how you build a team and build these camaraderies. You know, two and a half hours on a field isn't going to build a, a, a championship team. So we're, but, we're, uh, we're excited just to be back and just celebrating that we have a team you know, and that's, that's really the, the start of this whole thing. So cool.
0: What, um, creating a great experience for the, for the guys is so important. How do you sort of view that just as an overall experience? Yeah. You know, I think you want guys,
1: not many times you sit down, you know, and I guess I'm, I'm, I'm the old salt now. Right. So I, I remember myself being way better than I actually was. Right. But I I rarely remember wins or losses in terms of, you know, what happened in the games and all that stuff. What I remember is kind of the funny stuff that you see in the locker room and um, your opportunity to spend the guys, spend time with the guys in a social setting and, and the friendships that you have now. And every, every now and then uh, you you pick up your phone, you call your old roommate and Hey, you remember this, you know, and that's really what a college experience is all about and being part of a team. Um, sure the big moments big wings you know a championships things of that nature you'll always remember those but the 40 to 45 human beings that you're sharing those experiences with and the personalities that they bring that's a true measure of collegiate athletics it's all about um, it's about relationships it's about building those relationships with your teammates with your coaches with the support staff uh, you know and, and we have a lot of great people doing a lot of great things for our guys and they're just really appreciative and uh, they're excited every day to come come here to work and just have another opportunity to grow another relationship
0: totally and that's why having some as you say uh back to normalcy a little bit is just so important um you know part of the fun of going to Michigan is you know the lacrosse but it's it's going to the big house it's going to basketball games it's it's you know it's being able to walk across campus and go to classes and All that stuff. These kids got deprived and it it is actually really great to see um, them get an opportunity to have some normalcy, especially because I feel like college kids all over the country and high school kids, too. They lost a lot, but their attitude stayed so good about it and they were willing to sacrifice and do what they needed to do for their teams, too.
1: Yeah, they did. And and we we certainly did a lot of growing up in 2020 and 2021. That's for sure. Um, A lot of, uh, you know, sped up maturation, you know, and, and that's where you see your leaders come through. And mm-hmm. what they need to do to not just kind of keep guys straight and narrow and keep guys focused in one direction, but also um, making sure they understand, you know, how to keep guys positive. Right? It's not, let's, yeah. like, hey, do do this, but like, hey, let's organize something here. So for some sort of positivity, so that we're not just feeling like we're we're going and you know, uh, forced into you know into our rooms. Let's let's make sure that we can find a way to enjoy each other's company while we're separated.
0: Totally. Hey, let's talk a little bit about summer. Um, how'd it have been a great summer to actually be out on the road and watch players play again, huh, Kev?
1: Yeah, it was, it was certainly interesting. You know, I think, um, like, like we alluded to before, high school kids certainly lost a lot in terms of, you know, the opportunity to play high school and summer ball. Even though they, there was some summer lacrosse going on last year, uh, you know, I think really it's the absence of high school ball That really takes away from their their experience and and the residual effects to this, their development, their maturation, their weight room, their weight room um, exposure. And so going out and seeing it this year, you could see guys trying to catch up a little bit and then also just more opportunities for them to play. Uh, In some respects, you know, came, you know, the, the summer started hot. We were able to get out there, see some guys play, sit at events, you know, get the, get get an opportunity as some some old coaches used to say smell the horses right get right up into them and and see how they run jump and and shoot and score um and then you know it just kind of it kept going there was a lot of extra events going on this year and some of these guys who didn't have that base layer of high school you could see the trickle down effect 100 degrees and and guys were, were starting to do too many events but um for us, it was a really awesome experience because we can go to these events, but we also learned how to recruit the digital world, right? We also learned how to sit here in my office and watch film. And I've got to tell you, I really enjoy air conditioning. It is an incredible invention, right? <laughs> now, nothing will beat an opportunity to sit down and watch a guy on field level and, and see what he can do, <clears throat> see how he interacts with his teammates and see how he uh, how he handles adversity, how he handles success. And that's great but just the overall big picture coming back and reviewing was really nice aspect. So we got the best of both worlds. We were able to go down, sit down live and watch these guys play, but also come back, sit down as a staff and and say, Hey, let's rewatch these specific guys, certain events and say, Hey, I missed this guy, but something happened here. I'm going to rewatch that. And that was a a great opportunity for us to use the tools that we learned in COVID um, to help us continue our evaluations.
0: What are the things that you would uh, be able to see more likely live versus the things that you would see um, on film?
1: Interactions with teammates. I think that's the one thing that you see more so when you're down in the trenches, right? You're on the sideline, you're sitting next to parents and all that stuff, right? You want to be able to see a kid celebrate with his teammates. Um, You know, you could be sitting on a sideline and, and see how they're, uh, interacting with their coaches—it's hard to see that on the video, right? You can't see it past the ball a lot of time or the boxes. But what are they like on the bench? Uh, I think that goes a long way because when you recruit, you're recruiting for you know collegiate athletics where you spend more time at practice than you do playing games, right? So how is this guy as a teammate? You know that's one of our big things. And whenever we do our background and we start looking at high school coaches and club coaches, we're calling up and our first question to these guys. What's he like to practice, right? How, how committed of a teammate is. He? And that goes a lot farther for us than how many goals he scored in a summer ball game.
0: And then what about the, uh, the film side? What, what, what are the things that you learned that, you know, to, to get more information film wise?
1: Well, I think the obvious, right. You can watch a guy run faster than another guy right there. Right. So you can see the big, strong athlete. You can see skills, but also you get the bigger picture and say, How does he play in an offensive set or what's his style when he helps, you know, when you're watching, taking notes, quick note, pop back up. Did he get into a help position as a defender? Right now, if I'm sitting there on, on one of these video platforms, I hit pause, right? Note, Hey, he's standing right there. Oh, wait, I missed that. Go back five seconds. You know? So, I mean, you can get caught in a rabbit hole for sure. You know, you, you can spend three hours on one game, but it's all about, you know, the details, you know, where, how does he fit? in 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 an offense can he read offenses can he read defenses can he can he be a help guy um or is he a a one-trick pony you know so i think that's really where it's great to see the video kind of really help us out
0: no doubt it's really interesting too because you just can't see certain you know the intangibles you're talking about is the kind of teammate you are the intensity the, the the competitiveness you you can really see and feel that up up close um And obviously when you zoom out and you watch film, you can see every detail. I feel like it's both are so important. And I feel like last year was difficult because everybody was kind of basing things off of one or the other. And truly you need both because players will like look better in person. I think they just like they cat, you know, there's a, cause there's like a, an emotion to it. You know, it's a great game. It's like somebody, you know, and, um, and then on film sometimes, I don't know, I think we're used to watching, um, NFL football, which is starting tonight. Mm-hmm. Um, and we used to get, you know, we're seeing, um, DJ Metcalf chase somebody down and that's our idea of what fast looks like.
1: Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's true. I mean, it and fast in terms of the sky view is a lot different. I mean, it, is. it really is. And you can see a guy kind of turn and burn when you're, when you're at eye level with him or even okay. a little bit lower sitting in my beach chair, you know, it's, it's one of those things like, Whoa, that, that did not, you know, that, that was, that was some jets, that was Um,
0: yeah she put some pop into the ground that's why um always when you're when you're like preparing for somebody that you only watched on film you're like damn that guy's a lot more athletic than we thought he was you know
1: Uh, yeah but it's also you know it it, climates involved involved too right because when you're at an event and you're sitting there sweating and you feel the humidity Mm -hmm. and the heat in some of those you know guys sitting in uh, must have been in Baltimore, you know, almost 100 days this year, right? But you can feel that humidity on there. And you're sitting there and say, okay, I see what he's going through. Exactly. How is he, is he surviving or thriving? Or is he surthriving? thriving You know, if you want to combine it. What, what, how does he handle inclement weather? How does he handle adversity? How does he handle it? Because this is the third day. And, and we can measure some degree of of just mental toughness. And, and that's something that you, you got to know the conditions before you can evaluate it.
0: You do. And back to the point of these kids that did a few too many events. Um, there's there's mental toughness when you're fresh and there's mental toughness when you've played too much. Mm-hmm. And um, if you, you can't compare one against the other, because anybody that's played too much is just not going to look very good versus somebody that's rested. Um, then you can kind of have that gear, you know, that you can pull out that's still there. Whereas if you if there's nothing left in the tank, what is, you, you know, you're just not going to do it.
1: No, that's true. That's true. It's yeah. a big part of
0: it. Big part of it. Cool. Speaking of summer, it's been it's been a blast watching PLL. Have you watched some of that?
1: I got a chance to start watching the playoffs here. You know, as uh, some of our alums are starting, we're we're in the final four, really got a chance to watch Mikey Slosher and Kyle Jackson play a little bit more for chaos and water dogs. And yep, you know, and a lot of guys I used to coach are in the in the league right now and, and making a run at another championship. But ultimately it's just it's a fun game to watch. Because there's no, you know, let's pull it out. Let's get our possessions. It is free play. And I love the op- opportunity to give teams free play uh, and just be creative. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, whether you're a pole or, or a short stick or a midfielder or an attackman, you've got to be a threat to score. You've got to have that high energy. Um, also, what's, what's always kind of unique about professional lacrosse is, show up on Friday for practice, play on Saturday. So it's not like you're working on schemes and things like that and details. So it's about how you, they handle themselves Monday through Thursday. What are they doing to prepare their bodies and get themselves ready in order to play high-level lacrosse, right? While still doing, I'm sure they do film sessions and things like that throughout the week. How are they mentally preparing for to be part of that team? And, and it really shows a good premium. Guys who can just straight up win one-on-one matchups Yep. and guys who just have natural savviness. So I, I think
0: it's pretty neat. Have you, um, is there anything that you've noticed um, from watching that you're like, man, I, I really like that. I, I, I want to teach that, or I want to do that.
1: It's a lot of the things that we've been teaching for a long time, but I, I think, you know, what's fun. One, one of the things I've noticed is playing goaltender in the BLL just looks like an awful experience. You just like constantly, these guys are humming it from all over the place. There's no rest like I got a lot of respect for those goaltenders hopping in the net, right? Totally. But, um, but I also think, you know, if you can um, – what we pick up from it is just, you know, having more – and you see it more and more in, in what we've been trying to teach with our guys is having poles being threats and stepping in, right? Yeah. More shooting, more guys who can just play, and, and you know, that that's kind of the way the game has evolved. You, you need to be a threat early offense because six on six – defense and offense it's, it's hard it's harder to score it's harder to get there so you got to score in the first 15 seconds
0: interesting i love um the chaos are my favorite team so i've i've really enjoyed watching uh kyle jackson play what a what a stud what a great player and, and uh, from what coach tower says great teammate um andy and i went to college together so they're they're my uh, de facto favorite team but um I, I just love the way they play, too. I love the way they play two-man games, um, on and off ball, the way they move the ball. And it's kind of a plug-and-play with those guys, you know. It's like, you know, Cody gets yeah, hurt, Kyle Jackson comes in and gets four and two, and it's just unbelievable.
1: Yeah, and, and always the, the entertainment value of Andy Towers adds to that. You know, he's just a jam on the sideline, a great guy to have mic'd up, and just a, oh, yeah. a great lacrosse coach and a great rah-rah guy. He's got an incredible energy.
0: He does. He, he's got a, a good, uh, you know, one thing you could learn from any coach could learn from Andy, too, is just his ability of how to uh, get along with people and to get them on the same page, you know, and he's, he's not really a hard ass, but he's, he draws a he draws a line um, and he just figures out a way. I think the guys guys like to play there. So let's talk a little Michigan lacrosse. Um, So when I visited you guys on my epic RV trip a couple of years back, yeah. uh, I think it was almost three years ago. Um, one of the things I was so interested in that you guys were doing, and I'd love to get an update on is some of the analytics stuff that you guys were using um, Mm -hmm. for your athletes, you know, measuring their outputs, um, as well as the various elements that you, that, that that are important values for you guys. And I was curious, my question is, you know, where are you at with that and how is it impacting how you design, you know, what you're doing? You know, when you say things like you got to score in the first 15 seconds, is that an analytics driven statement or more of a feel? And and if you don't mind elaborating a little, I'd love to hear about it.
1: Sure, what we've been able to do is we've collected a lot of great raw data over the past couple of years about you know how we go ahead and analyze our weeks, right? And analyze it down to each practice. And like we talked about, um, the ability to run is statistically, you know, I don't have the exact numbers, right? But we went through it and we looked at our guys, what we started to recruit. It's not necessarily like you have to score in 15 seconds, but it's a hell of a lot easier to kind of create and have guys who can be threats early offense. We have to score in transition order to be successful, right? So when you slow it down and have these six on six slug fests, you know, especially in the big 10, these guys are really organized, disciplined, and um, have good goaltending. So, um, you know, at, relying on six on six is not going to win you a lot of games. So we've really taken that data to say, look, we got to score in the first 15 to 20 seconds because or at least create opportunities. Um, And the data that we were building and building for is making sure that those guys who need to be able to play within that gray area, okay, are in a better condition from starting now, right? Starting here in September. So we changed the way we do September, okay? So, you know, a lot of what we quote unquote call run tests, okay? Where we obviously give our guys summer packets and we say, we need to do this. And when you come back, you gotta make it by this time and have this number and that number. We changed all that to change it to a strictly evaluation base. Okay, where are we, right? So now instead of going, hey, you failed that run test, so you have to do this, we set the standard and say, this is the way we want to play. Here's your summer pack. And if we want to be at the high level, commit to it so we can have a good evaluation base and build off of that through strength and conditioning. Okay, the next form is, okay, let's get our guys in order to create more power, we need to create more muscle. So we added, added days in the week. That was a big addition since we started to use the monitors and data analytics, right? In order to be fitter and in and, and better shape and have more power in order to create more force into the ground, we got to have stronger legs, right? We got to be in there more. So we started to get added an extra day. So we lift four days a week in the fall in order to uh, progress our body. So by November, we, we, do another evaluation period. Here's where we started. Here's where we are. This is why we're there. This is our progress. So that way by January, we continue that trend and then we use our preseason to really start to focus on, you know, um, building, continuing to build off of all that hard work we did in November. Uh, so that's a big part of why we do it. And then on a week-by-week basis, we still want to be fresh as a daisy on Saturdays, mm-hmm. right? So we still go Into the same mode in season would be light Monday, heavy Tuesday, Wednesday, taper Thursday, kind of a walk, uh, you know, walk through type Friday, short, high burst play on Saturday, you know, so that's the really the way the body clock would then click in. So our legs aren't feeling heavy, um, you know, and but we're still doing weight room stuff. You know, a big part of our culture and identity is weight room.
0: How about speed? Um, how do you um, develop that and prioritize that?
1: Well, you can't be fast without strong legs, right? So create that force power, right? You know, so we, we talk to our strength and conditioning coach. They want to be fast. We say, okay, well, you got to be strong. That's start one. So we start with strength um, and then we go ahead and build um, in November with more of that kind of mentality, right? Sled pushes, stair fronts. So we continually build our strength, but also how we go ahead and create and form right? Driving knees and things of that nature. Um, so, and then we do certain things with our strength and conditioning coach to really kind of map out starting, stopping, change directions, more designed for our game, a little bit more of that, you know, change of speed, change of direction speed, you know, that, that we would really need. And, and that's kind of the way we frame and give our strength and conditioning coaches direction to say, this is what we need. And then they, those guys run with it. It helps when you have incredible staff and support staff to really work with the athletes who have been doing this for, you know, 25 years and know exactly what we. be.
0: You guys do a lot of measurements um, of all kinds of things. Do you measure speed? Do you guys measure tens or forties or various times on things and how, to, to be able to build on that stuff?
1: Uh, we'll do some change of direction things. You know, it was not necessarily speed, but it's more about what you can do in a change of direction, 5, 10, 5, things like yep. that. Uh, but also measuring, you know, broad jumps, vert jumps, how much force we are we're pushing to the ground. You get a power. Uh, it's explained to me with with sitting down with our strength condition coach. A power index, a power index number. Power index.
0: Yeah, I think so, so one of the, somebody told me you guys do some broad jumps at your prospect day, even maybe vertical jump or broad broad jump or something like that. You've
1: done some of that. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Um, so. So when you back to back to some of the analytics as it relates to how you're going to play. Do you have the stats on your shooting percentages and stuff in your first 15 uh, seconds of a possession versus, uh, you, know, you know, the middle 30 or the last 15 and vice versa? And, and as well as do you have that information that you've studied from other teams um, that have you know, won championships or competed at that level? You know,
1: I, I think it's less it, when you start getting lost in the money ball stuff. Right. You forget there's There's something really important and it's Jimmy and Joe. Right. And so yeah. um, we look at it as who do we have out there okay, and what are they best at? OK. And when we started to really kind of comb through it and what are we really best at? That's when we started to come in. We are pretty influential and developed ourselves into back half of the year, uh, a more of a faster starting team. Right. So we want the ball to touch to our attack in the first 15 seconds because they're pretty good decision makers and the guy's screaming down the field a little bit more of a hammer right so let's let's let the hammers be hammers and the decision makers be decision makers
0: yeah not to mention those hammers are exhausted because they just have to play defense <laughs> you know.
1: so you know there's there's a time and a place you give the ball to one of our attackmen. let's say it's mikey mikey bame has a good sense to say hey that guy just we, we just played an a minute worth of defense he's tired if he misses this um you know he's got to go run back right so i'm going to swallow this for a little bit and maybe test the waters but not test it to a point where we go ahead and, and give us uh, a bad opportunity to play defense in the right.
0: for coaches um that are listening to this there's high school coaches that are you know um going to be listening and they're going to be thinking well you know we, we want to play early offense we want to score goals it's easier to score goals transition all true uh the question is how do you find that balance between grinding a team down um, with, with possessions as well as, um, being able to, you know, to get the low hanging fruit.
1: Yeah. I think you got to look at your quality shots, however you evaluate a quality shot, right? So we tend to evaluate our quality shots from, you know, guys within the the 12 yard marker in, in, in a position, right. Where they, um, inside 12 where they can have their hands free and get a good look at the cage. Right. So, um, so those are the ones that we're really evaluating. And Coach Terry does such a great job with our offense to design and implement some things. So our guys have an idea of, of where they need to be and when they need to be there, but they also, we, he does a great job of allowing them the freedom to make mistakes on Monday through Thursday so that they're, they understand what is quality opportunity and what is not. So I think that's really the field. Yep. You have to look and, and find your team and see, you know, where, are you getting and when are you getting those quality shots? And that will really dictate what you need to work on at practice, but also what you really need to press and work on during the games, because ultimately each team is going to be different. Each player is going to be different. And we yep. can see you're in money ball the way at statistically in, in this point, in that point uh, you score more goals than other points, but really evaluate what your term of a quality shot is based yep. on the team and then say, okay, when are we getting these quality shots? And then see to really try to push those.
0: So true and I mean, that might be the most important fundamental of the whole game is understanding shot selection right
1: hundred percent you know and that's why we we, we put trust in our, our attackmen to make really good quality decisions because yeah. they're the ones who have the best field for the offensive zone there's the one down there the whole time and they see everything
0: and the and the, and the feed selection fits right in it's like yeah it wasn't a t- it wasn't a bad look it's just that that guy didn't have a great shot <laughs> and so and everybody like you said everyone's shot selection is going to be a little bit different um, mm. you know my shot and your shot are going to be evaluated differently and you know you probably have more range uh, but i'm a left i'll be honest with you i i, I think i've gotten to five i might be <laughs> a problem uh I,
1: and i've been working with the goalies a lot lately so and they'll i get outside 10 it's like shooting a pop gun at them you know they're like come on coach let's let's speed it up a little bit here huh i gotta hit the weight room i think that's my my problem
0: yeah, I think we might both be uh, far beyond our best days for uh, improving our shooting. Um, you know, when you talk about all the stuff you've been talking about as far as the training and, and the rest and, you know, being fresh on game day, um, it's, it's so smart um, and so interesting. And it's a little counterintuitive because a lot of times you, you, as a coach, you just want to do more, 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 more. It's just the natural That's how coaches are, grinders, you know. Um, But it's so important that people are fresh. But I also think that there's a really interesting kind of um, mental advantage you can get from that too, because I think that the people can people can get burned out from the from repetitive. Just you know, sometimes it's good just to give them some time off and just let them be so excited just to be there to do it. And that an extra hundred you know balls may not be better than not doing that. And I was curious as if you sort, and this is probably a very hard to measure, but just, you know, how you guys feel like at the end of the year, you know, have you felt good um, not just physically, but actually just like mentally and just like still fired up. Cause you know, how it goes sometimes there's teams that you kind of can tell, they just, they're ready to be done. They're burned out. They're beaten down. And um, you can't win a championship that way.
1: Yeah. You know, I'll tell you, and in, in, I think back to 2021 and what we had to go through and all that stuff. And it was a grind, right? So in some respects, Everybody thinks they have a mental threshold, but they have more in their tech, right? So it's about getting over mental humps, right? And that's kind of the old salt in me would say, oh, we got to do this extra reps in order to get over some of those mental thresholds, right? But the reality is, as I get older and more experienced and learn more and more about these kids and what they have to go through at school, and and it's just a different mentality. And lacrosse is so different from when I played. Yeah. and, and I, I don't remember it all, right. I don't remember how hard school was and, and how my body felt. And I know how my body feels now, and it's not great, but ultimately these kids are the one pushing themselves on a day in day out basis. So freshness, right. And the ability to be fresh and um, you know, it, that sometimes is, is just as good, you know, fresh and a little, well, pardon the phrase, but fresh and dumb is better than, you know, sh- sharp and tired. Right. So let's, Let's just get them out there and have our horses ready to run because then we'll be impactful.
0: Yeah. We're fresh, and healthy, fresh and healthy. That's what you need.
1: Lacrosse has been starting earlier and earlier and earlier every year. And the kids are playing more and more over the summers leading up into college. You know, it, it's just, we gotta be, in my opinion, I, I want them to, to, to take some time away and play some hoops with their buddies or, or, uh, You know, go sit on the beach or make sure they play high school football or high school soccer or one of those high school basketball, one of those other sports, just to, you know, just be doing something different. Uh, Play box lacrosse, do different things because that's important because when you get out there, um, you know, you want to still love and have a passion for lacrosse, even though you're practicing for way more than, than you are playing games.
0: You and I remember it differently because we were coaches and we just probably liked it, like the whole grind, you know. Not everybody wants to be a coach and watch film, you know, and talk about lacrosse
1: 24-7. It's different. It's different. But also, you know, we, we started games in March, right? We were my yeah. opening game was, you know, I went to Hopkins. It was Hopkins, Princeton, March one, right? That was it. That was the start of the season. Now it's February one, right? That that we're open games a month earlier. That means preseason is a month earlier, you know, that means fall is You know, it's a little bit longer, so it's it's more time than anything else. Um, And so freshness. And so the biggest thing that we're pulling from all this data that we're pulling is how do we keep our guys mentally and physically fresh? Fresh.
0: So smart. All right, let's switch gears a little bit. Let's talk a little offense. Um, How are you guys? um, How would you characterize how you guys play play offense? And what are the what are the really important sort of values you guys have in, in your offense?
1: Sure. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Coach Dury does an unbelievable job shaping up our offense. You know, I think one of the things I've always liked, and it's kind of got a lot of the basketball sense to it, where it's positionless, right? Where we got guys in front of the cage, behind the cage, but it's motion-based where we're able to go ahead and continually move and make sure that we're sharing the ball. So one of the core values is be it, you know, for for Coach Dury's really applauds second assists and, uh, you know, the hockey assists, as we all call them. Be the guy. To get the guy the ball, right? So be the guy to get the guy who gets the guy the ball. You know, so that those are really one of the core principles that we like to pump out. Um, obviously, we want to spend a lot of time with skills uh, to make sure you know we're we're giving you all the tools and in these individuals not to be regimented, but to allow you to play free, right? To make those mistakes and through practice and and but be disciplined with our hands and our stick work. So now all of a sudden it's we're not thinking about it anymore. We're just doing it. And that allows more creativity. So beat the fundamentals up. So when you get out there, it's just, it's time to perform. So that's really kind of where, where coach Terry excels developing a more complete player and then playing within a freestyle system, which allows for more creativity and a positional player.
0: How much two-man game do you guys play? Play a
1: good amount. We play a good amount. I think, you know, we've, we've really seen, it's not necessarily how you, how you start, but it's how you flow into it. Right. So that's been one of the things that I think have been really impactful for us. It's not the initial stuff. It's how you flow into it. You know, what do you do off the end line, um, eventually you are going to need some help to, to free some people up. So let's utilize it through the flow of an offensive set rather than being a little bit more regimented yelling out. Here comes a pick, you know, so um, it, it, it's been uh, more impactful for our guys as we use it, as we get bigger, stronger athletic.
0: Do you guys um, have preferences as to where you like to execute two man games?
1: No, I, I think they've been always impactful from behind, you know, like that. But I don't think you can say, you know, it's better on the wings or it's better up top. It's, it's, it's also about who's doing it, right? So, again, it goes back to that, not necessarily about personal preference, about Jimmy and Joe, right? Where does he fit in? What's his style and how can he use it best? And therefore, you know, that will allow us to design where two men's really kind of come from
0: obviously the lefty righty thing matters as to where you're going to do it. Um, um, and it's interesting to sort of think about, um, you know, the way people are playing two man game defense these days, a lot of times they're not even going behind the cage. It's almost like, you know, you you, you can't play your classic big littles behind the net. If, if, if they're not, you can, but, but, but um, you're you not getting the same looks um, uh, on the wings. The difference is, you know, obviously they, they kind of have to play you at there and they can't not, play you on the wing like they cannot play you behind and they can't always go under picks on the wings because you'll just end up shooting it um, how do you look at those um, scenarios
1: yeah they're really impactful it's uh, it's again we, we as you start to get up into the wing area right so we got some long dodgers and we got some pick guys right so we want to make sure that we're setting those guys up for success whether they be high wings low wings or anywhere there but we like to see as you come off what do you have in your picture right? What do you have in your picture, right? So as you come off of some of these in your dominant hand, like you said, are you available? Are you in a good spot to rip one? Can you skip one through? Are we going to go ahead and repick? Those are the things that we start kind of building off of in some of this pair stuff. But, um, you know, and, and every time you see a different look, it really doesn't matter. It shouldn't matter based on our offensive set, because we, we just kind of play off of it. They're going to do something, Right? We'll have a response to it just by being good, savvy lacrosse players. And I think wherever, if they're coming under, they're going over, they're switching, they're not switching, they're playing the ball behind, they're not playing the ball behind, you know, there's going to be a look. We just got to go ahead and adjust and just be savvy players. And part of that is, has been a lot more about the, the free play practice style that we've really incorporated so that they you know, they can be a two-man, regular, uh, regular, motion-based, anything else. Um, you're going to have some look and just freedom to move, and guys who are playing off you give them more freedom to move.
0: There's so many different ways to play a pick, and you just kind of set it. You know, so, you know, we're going to go under when we'll go under the picks. You know, let's try not to switch and we'll go under the picks when it's behind, or if they're really far out, we can go under. But if they're getting tighter, we'll push over it and we'll play the pick. Maybe like if there's no pick there, and if we run into it, we'll switch. And at the goal line, we got to jump it and double it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got these different assignments for how we're going to play a pick depending on the different parts of the field. And um, that becomes one of the big advantages of two-man game. Because if you don't do that, then they know exactly how you're going to play it. and, and, And then they can set it up where they can take advantage of it. And yet, if you do that, it creates a much more difficult situation for the defenders to be able to read that gray area of, well, this is a goal line. Is this, this, is kind of wing. Is this goal line? Do I go under this? Do I jump this? Uh, they're outside the hashes. Should I jump it? you know, no, no, only touch to the crease, jump it. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, there becomes indecision. And one of the big advantages of two man game is if you just, if one person switches and one person stays, there's one, someone's wide open and there's two on one. Okay. Uh, how do you, how do you sort of look at that on both sides of the ball?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, uh, the two-man game gives defensive coordinators a little bit of odds at times, right? It's like, So how do you go ahead and shape it up and, and what your philosophies are? You know, whenever we start talking about picks, the one thing is a defensive mindset, right? Uh, the first thing we focus on, win your matchup. Win your matchup. That means if you're really focusing on win your one-on-one matchup, the pick is a little bit farther away, right? So if you can go ahead and say, get him off the hashes, move him back, That'll give us time to read it and see what we need to do, right? And then if you're focusing on winning matchups, right, whether you get picked off or not, right, the communication piece comes next. So make the pick unsuccessful because you're doing a good job on the ball, right? If you could smother the ball, that pick is a little bit less success, successful. Or totally. It's just, it's just farther out, right? Yep. And then your decisions, your teammates' decision becomes that much easier. He's reading you. He's smothering the ball, and all of a sudden the pick's farther out, right? And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, he's going to get picked up. We're going to have to switch, right? So, so, and eventually that becomes that much easier. The, the more times that you are ending up playing the pick, that's when that indecision happens. That's when that read happens where, oh, now I got to get under it. And now your heels are inside the hashes and yep. the guys coming over the top and his hands are free, right? So, um, so the more that you could focus on your individual personal development to win matchups, right? It makes team defense that much easier, right? We so- call it friction, right? Off ball defense the, the best off ball defense you can play is friction on ball. Right, so that's the best off-ball defense you can play. So picking is awesome, right? Picking is even better for teams, um, in my opinion. Again, this is just one uh, one defensive-minded coach to say picking is easier when guys are playing picks and not playing that.
0: Totally. Now, how about off-ball two-man game? You know, we talk about one person switches and one person stays on ball. Off-ball two-man game, I feel like, is a little bit of a new frontier. You know, you're definitely seeing that with the chaos. They've got some awesome actions going on um, with off-ball picks and seals and slips. Nations looks and Spain looks and all these different things. Um, What's your take on off-ball two-man game as a defensive coordinator, but also as you know the head coach at Michigan? Do you guys do it much?
1: Yeah, we do. We do a lot of it. Yeah, it's a great way. To kind of create some some indecision like we talked about but also create some uh change of matchups and and be able to um you know have a mentality like that you know we're, we're going to make them communicate right and puts a high premium on communication um and then you know based on whatever system you run where they are in the field you know where's your support factor you know so where's your fills coming from and and how are they filling that'll determine how your backside really kind of negotiates and, and how they work together so um, you know, it, again, we – Coach T does such a good job and has such a strong basketball background that he has really kind of uh, seen it bigger picture about uh, kind of the backside and how we can use it. Use it. And, and it goes into that versatility factor. Players who are versatile are, are really uh, uh, are pretty good
0: in today's game. Yeah. There's um, – I've heard this said by a few different sort of NOL-level coaches in which they said – The best two-man games happen when the ball is in the air on the way to when the pick when the two-man game is occurring when the ball is in the air to that Mm man.
1: Which
0: I thought was a really interesting thing, and I always try for for a few years. I just tried to figure out what does that even mean, you know? How do you make that happen? Um, And you know, I think you 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 can't really script that. You could try, but I think more. More likely, if you get people setting picks on ball and off ball and moving the ball quickly enough, you can sort of get that. And I was just curious to get your uh, thoughts on that um, that concept.
1: Certainly, you know that you kind of talk about the flow. You know, always anticipating. I think the best players and the most effective players anticipate two to three passes ahead of where they should be and where the ball should be and where it's going. Yeah. Right? Just that mindset, I think, you know, fits into that same that, that same that same goal as a player think two passes ahead. And so now all of a sudden, like you said, I'm setting it or I'm, I'm or I'm creating a pick on the backside while the ball's in the air. So constantly thinking the game is, is something that, you know, I have a big appreciation for, um, you know, even as a player, as a defenseman, I was, I was too slow to react. Right. So I had to think the game two passes, yeah. Right. Yeah. But so, um, you know, and as you both sides of the ball, that's a real big premium. right? Guys who can see it two, two passes ahead are going to be the most impactful players for their teammates and, and create or stop whatever is formulated. So, yeah, I think that's a very intuitive. Um, it's kind of a neat way. Intuitive, it's, it's a very intuitive kind of concept. It, it yeah. certainly speaks to all athletics, right? It does. You're right. If you can see the play before the play happens. You have a potential to be pretty good.
0: It also speaks to all athletics because – you know, when you swing the ball in any sport, you know, it, 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 it requires the defense to move and approach because they have to take away the ball side. So all of a sudden you're creating these like approach, I call them approach 2 mans. Yep. you know, all of a sudden, like maybe I seal you down There's Somebody's hot. It's a three-man side and someone pops up to receive and they're trying to get through that thing. And all of a sudden we're playing two-man on approaches of two guys that don't have time to think about it. And now it's hard to create that friction.
1: Yeah. And it, and it's so important to like have that mindset because it's trained through doing other sports, you know, and, and I'm a, I'm a guy who always preaches, you got to play other sports, right? Just, I, I appreciate people who just play basketball or football or soccer or swimming or tennis or something else, right? Because it gives you that mindset. I'm seeing a picture, right? I can paint the same picture, right? With different colors, you know, and I think that's something that, that I have always appreciated. In multi-sport guys, and I was a multi-sport guy too growing up, right? And and I include box lacrosse as multi-sport.
0: Totally. Um, you've used the word free play um, several times in this podcast, uh, which I love. It's a, it's a real passion of mine. Uh, can you elaborate a little bit on on how you uh, sort of view that in your program and and how you try to get it going? What 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 that means to you?
1: Yeah, we're a work in progress. There, you know, I can certainly say that. I think we've tried to incorporate more and more and more the free play concepts, you know, more, you know, just silly stuff. Like, uh, like, uh, mini cages, uh, uh, little stick balls in, in the locker rooms and, and trash can ball outside to start practice. Just get them guys, just being creative. Um, you know, more, more, uh, four five V five short fields where the ball just drops. Right. And then we change sides and just, we call it sweep where you just drop a ball in and it's almost like fireball when we were kids. Yeah. Right. Camp games, right? Fun camp games where it promotes not really offensive or defensive sets, but it's 10 guys running up and down and, and trying to create and just score and be creative. Um, and, and the more that you could do that and have success in the practice setting, just sending sometimes ridiculous you know, opportunities and all of a sudden they make it and they, and they finish it and you're like, well, see, we can do that stuff. Right. So and then it'll translate into some of the small part drills that we do where, yeah, we want to run a small part of a system that we're trying to do. But if you can be creative through that, it makes it a lot easier. Right. And then that that extends to the big parts in the open field. And, you know, you evaluate in those little free play drills about taking chances. Right. Because, you know, at, at this level, in order to to compete in some of the best lacrosse games in the country, it's going to be who takes a chance and who and how does it work out? Uh, because you're going to have to take a chance. It's it's about, you know, putting yourself out there. That's athletic. Put yourself out there. Don't be afraid to, to make a play. Um, but, you know, if you have good training and a good base layer, you'll find it a lot easier to make those plays in a free play style.
0: How important is the competitive aspect of free play?
1: Oh, it's so competitive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You got to hate to lose, you know. But more importantly, you got to love to win. You know, hating to lose and loving to win is totally, totally different things, Right. Um, so everybody hates to lose, right, everybody does love to win, but are they willing to do what it takes in order to, to achieve that winning mindset, you know, it's almost like, you know, uh, it's an addictive, it's an, it's addictive, winning is addictive, and if you find it, and, and you're addicted to winning, you know, you'll, you'll do whatever it takes to get that feeling.
0: Yeah, I love it, and I think it really teaches players how to be problem solvers, you know, um, so many times as coaches, we we have an idea of how we want to accomplish something. Mm-hmm. And we and we make our players do it in our drills and we rep it, you know, which makes perfect sense, except for then, you, you, you know, when you play something and you make that four on four now competitive, mm-hmm. they may find a way to win that game that's different than the way you were going to teach them to do it. It may not be what you want, but it actually may work really well. And sometimes it's amazing. The best players find a way. Mm-hmm to get it done, even if it wasn't perfect. And I think that sometimes we, we might lose sight of it because we're so caught up on how you should do it or how we think you should do it, whether that be technique or X's and O's. And a lot of times when you put kids in these competitive situations, these game-like situations that have, that are competitive and have context that they might figure out a really good solution. And oftentimes I feel like I learn from them.
1: Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, uh, Competitive spirits, you know, it goes from you know the guys who are afraid to make plays in clutch just to like move the ball on, and and guys who will do anything it takes to win, you know. Um, you know, I, I think there's a big difference there. And 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 uh we talked about it before, right? With just how we style our, our, our six on six and analytics and all that. It, there's a big X and O factor to our game, but there's a bigger Jimmy and Joe factor to our game. For sure. And, and you just gotta we just gotta instill that confidence in those guys and look. And uh, and as coaches, are we perfect? Sometimes we, it doesn't end up the way we want it, and and it achieves a goal anyway. But yeah, for sure. But uh, you you know, I, we're 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 incorporating more and more and more free play avenues, so they learn and have confidence and know that they can do it. And there's a, a lot of times where just flat out doesn't work. You know, a free play can turn into a turnover fest, and just you gotta just the you know. Bite the whistle a little bit. Don't blow it and just see how it pans, you know, because sometimes they just figure it out.
0: Yeah, for sure. And um, how much do you try to create these environments? I used the word a second ago, um, game-like. It's been, It's just been a word I've thought about a lot over the last year or two, and it gets thrown around a lot. And usually I think people think about game-like as it relates to um, specifically a situation that you're going to see in a game. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the game-like-ness uh, is that, but more importantly, it, 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 it's, it's game-like when the coach doesn't have control over it
1: mm-hmm.
0: because, because you don't have control over it in a game. I mean, you can use your voice on one end of the field a little bit better than the other end, but at the end of the day, like your players actually have to communicate. They have to read it. They have to read and react. They have to be able to um, read and influence a play. Um, with their voices, with their deception, with whatever, with, with whatever it is, and I was curious, how, how much um, do you sort of create c- more context to allow that to happen, as opposed to and, fi- and find the balance of reps. You know, like you rep out question marks, that's great, but there's no nothing to read. You know, um, whereas you play four on four, five on five, maybe you don't get very many question mark reps, but you're getting more opportunities to read and influence.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everything's balanced. I think, you you know, you, you want to create a a development time, right. To hopefully build into practice and maybe you're working on one specific tool and you hope that you get at least a few of them during a practice, but the more um, scramble like, you know, uh, I guess we can call them drills, even though they're not really drills. Right. So it's scramble like drills. So, you know, you could be as, as simple as playing full field, blow the whistle, throw another ball out and then see what happens there. Right. And then you let them play it out. You know, we've also done like basketball scrimmages where if it goes out of bounds or you take a shot, you don't get the backup. you got to drop back. So that creates that transition and, and awkward situations and, and threat evaluation. And then also it's like, Hey, if I missed a shot, you know um, you know, w- you know, we're going to be playing defense too. Right. So uh, that also tells you when you could take your shots and when you're working for your um your high percentage shots, right? Your, your, your high quality shots. So those are a couple of them. I like the idea of, of doing more of our um, kind of read and react drills, in a scramble, like, you know, just like, you know, throw the ball out, you know, see how it goes. Right. And then um, let them play, let them do whatever it takes. Uh, If you score the goalie pops it out, it's time to run again, you know, so it, it makes them just constantly move, react, move, react and adjust. Um, it's, uh, but it's also, like you said, it's tiring. It's tiring. So it's like, it's like two minutes, next group, two minutes. Yeah. next. Group. So, uh, you want to make sure that you have enough bodies in order to accomplish that. Do you guys play any box? We do. Yeah. We spend, we spend, uh, once we finish our five week fall ball, we go into at least once a week, we try to play box.
0: And what are you guys doing there? Typically?
1: We just let them play. We just let them play. We, we go into two teams and we have a uh, championship series.
0: How many um, um when you play? Do you play five on five plus a goalie? Do you have box goalie equipment in the whole nine yards? Yeah,
1: we put our goalies in. Yeah. yeah.
0: Well, how do the goalies like it?
1: Uh, it, you know, I think if you asked them on any given day, they would give a different answer. But um, you know, I think the goalies enjoy it. It's a fun uh, position. Different, you know. It's just how bad the equipment smells. I think the. <laughs> I think there's because we 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 use the we use some uh, equipment that we rented right so it's you know as long as it's clean and smelling okay then i think they like it a lot more
0: it's nice not to worry about getting hit with a ball you could just focus on watching it
1: oh yeah yeah i think they like the padding yeah that's for sure. Out. yeah
0: and do you guys so when you guys play do you do you, do you coach it do you try to get them to play two-man games and play two-man side three-man side get a balance of lefties and righties out there or is it straight up you know don't worry about it do whatever you want take out no we,
1: we put in like an introductory session and then we watch how it progresses, right? And, and we, we, we play halves instead of periods so we can make adjustments to halves. It has to fit into our, our time block, right? Because yeah. it's limited, So yeah. uh, we wanna make sure that we're, we're maximizing their fun levels as well as the free play, but also get some stuff out of it. So um, are we gonna play a box style on our offensive zone or, or anything like that? Nah, not really, probably not, but it does have a lot of great things to teach us um, about spatial relations, picks, um, and, and, of course, stick work in tight areas. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll try to do a little bit of coaching them up first before
0: we get out there. That's awesome. What's your uh, what's your take on two-way middies? You guys um, switching gears here. Do you guys like to play two-way guys? Or are you playing uh, partially or more offense, defense? How do you do it that way?
1: I would say partially. I think we want to have those guys who can stay and play like everybody does. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you know It's hard to do. It, it is really, really hard to do you know, and, and, you know, we haven't found the balance yet. So right now we're partially where we can go ahead and play for 15 seconds. like we talk, have guys who can dodge, create. Um, but, you know, I, I think ultimately we want to get our guys in the field who are more, more offensive minded.
0: Yeah. And defensive minded too, probably. Yeah. When it yeah. comes down to it, everybody seems to want to play two-way minis. They're like, "We're going to play two-way minis this year," and then, yeah. you know, three weeks in, they're like, yeah, "I want my defensive guys in."
1: Yeah, get back to the offense. <laughs> get out of here, let's go. Well, well, that's always been the always been the thing, right? So, uh, we, we certainly tried, but you know, we're, we're still experimenting with a lot of different philosophies.
0: Awesome um, question with you on the shot clock um, and deep changing defenses and stuff. Do you feel like? Um, do you feel like? Being multiple defensively is something that works with it in the shot clock era. I mean, obviously, if you're good at anything, it can work. But but is it related to shot clocks, changing a defense with either more pressure or going into zones or those things that you think are effective um, in this uh, shot clock era?
1: Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I do. I do. I think you can never devalue the idea that, you know, and I think we spend a lot of time on footwork and, and angle play and physicality because we know that no matter what defense that we throw out there, our personal uh, philosophy is eventually everything breaks down, right? You can be the most organized system in the world and maybe you slide once and uh, slide twice, maybe slide three times, but eventually that backside is going to be open. Good teams will, will find it. So we work on a one-on-one base, like win your matchup, right? So um, no matter what we do, we always fall back on that. But being multiple in multiple looks and multiple support systems is really important. Because a short time, you know, it, sometimes it takes a couple of seconds to figure out you're in a zone, you know, and or um, mm-hmm. now that the reset has dropped down to 60 seconds, you know, it's the other side of it. It's really hard to play one type of defense for, for 60 seconds. It really is, you know, and, and so you have to be able to press. You have to be able to sit back. You have to be a press sit back kind of combination. So there's uh, there's a lot of th- thinking and strategies going on now in the shot clock era which has been awesome. But at the end of the day, it always comes down to fall back in your training, okay? It's mano-a-mano, mano. win that matchup because we're, we're resetting behind you. Give us a chance. So it, it is eventually going to come down. To that.
0: Awesome stuff. Kev, I really uh, appreciate your time and love talking lacrosse with you, man. That was a really uh, fun hour.
1: Yeah, that's awesome, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. This is always fun. I love talking lacrosse. It just gets me excited to practice. Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm not practicing today. You know, we are off days Thursdays in the fall, but, uh, you know, I think now I just want to go out there and and, and get our guys going.
0: Heck, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's do it again sometime and uh, talk a little offense offline. I got some cool thoughts I want to share with you if you're ever up for it and um, yeah. and have an awesome fall. Good luck. Who do you got? you guys scrimmaging anybody this fall?
1: Yeah, we're supposed to. Uh, we're we're going to play in the, uh, what is it, uh, kickoff cancer in Canton, Ohio. So we're we're playing down there at the NFL Hall of Fame, and uh, so we're we're gonna we're excited to get a good scrimmage in first time in a long time at fall scrimmage.
0: Love it. Well, coach, again, really appreciate it. Love talking across you. Good luck to the Wolverines. Good luck this fall, and uh, we'll be in touch.
1: Awesome. Have a great one.